Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to a late Monday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I am joined by a roundtable, just as we were last week, to cover all things NFL. My good friend Evan Swords of 49ers Hub is here as he is every Monday night. Evan, good evening, sir. How are you? I am doing well, man. How are you doing? I am doing great. Got some wildberry tea that I'm trying. I, I ventured away from the chamomile this evening. A very bold decision in my 30s. I'm I'm trying to diversify my tea intake late at night, so that's, that's where we're at. Yeah. Love that for you. <laughs> Also here, Dalton Miller of PFN. Dalton, good evening, sir. How are you? That's way different than my nightly routine. It is definitely not tea and go to bed. Maybe maybe when I turn thirty. Well, we were talking about before, uh, like before we started recording, like what we were doing during quarantine, like last year, and it's crazy just how far it is. And like someone said, like in six months, twenty uh, twenty will be two years ago, and that's just like I that's just mind blowing. But. Um, what we were doing y'all were playing Dalton and Evan were playing call of duty. Caitlin had to go live with her brothers for several months. And I, I went the other way. Like you guys talk about a different life and a different lifestyle. I was off the grid. I went to the park. There was no one there. No one was bothering me. So I just took my books and I was like, I've never been so caught up in all of my reading and just being off the grid. Never looked at my phone. No sports were going on. Like I had nothing to do other than just read at the park by myself. It was delightful i have never been more cut off from society and from people in my life than i was during the early part of quarantine also caitlin heffler is here of fox sports caitlin good evening how are you hello i'm great thanks for having me all right that felt good but yeah is that weird that that was my uh that was my quarantine y'all were like i you learn a lot about who people are and like what your personality type is because i think yes I can confidently say I don't know many things that you do that aren't in some way kind of weird. <laughs> it's all a little weird. Hold on. That's just I mean that in a good way. I do. I mean that you're a very unique individual. Like I, I feel like you off reading in the sunset in the Tennessee skies, like that <laughs> that's just something that makes sense when I think about Chase. I will say I was still living downtown Atlanta at the time. I had not left for school yet. But don't, don't ruin my vision. Okay, don't but I mean I do that all yeah, now. So you're not now. wrong. It's I'm still doing that now. <laughs> I, I was doing that literally yesterday afternoon uh, for a solid two and a half hours. It was. Is it? Mm-hmm. No, I was gonna say I don't know about you guys, but like like is anybody else excited to be able to talk about football, Caitlin? I think I saw on Twitter you were saying something to the effect of like I'm so excited I get to talk about football. I I can't stress it enough. I look forward to Mondays at this point just because it's like football is so far removed from our lives and it's sad. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like we got to see kind of like what our world was like without sports. And it was just kind of like, what do I what do I do with myself? Like, what do I do next? And kind of now I feel like it just makes me even more excited just to like talk about football or just watch literally whatever. I mean, I watched tennis today at Fox. Like, it was great. Like, I'll watch anything. Absolutely. Okay. What is the most obscure sport uh, that you enjoy watching, Caitlin? Well, for me, it's not like that crazy, but I mean, I think for others, like gymnastics, I was a gymnast growing up. So for me, I like can sit there and watch that, you know, all day, every day. But I think, you know, for people that might not like know the sport as well, it probably is not the first thing they watch unless it's like Simone Biles, of course. (laughs) 
Yeah, I, I'm just amazed by them. Like it's all these things I can't do. Like it's just one of those where I'm like, I, I, it hurts me to watch what they can do. I'm just like standing up at 30, and my knees are just in just awful condition, and these these women are just uh, insane athletically. Like I just can't imagine. Simone is just a whole. She's just an entire extra like level above like all everything everybody yeah she she like but i mean i don't mean like oh she's good at sports i mean like as a just human being she's ascended to something that is so much bigger and better and more important than anything we'll ever do well what's kind of unique about simone is that she's a lot different than like uh you know like mary lou retton she was you know back in the old days but like simone she's super strong and like powerful but like also makes like everything really graceful as well so like that's super hard to display in gymnastics so i think that's like what makes her you know stand out the most and also i just love the attitude like i love i like and i need this so much more like uh, her just putting goats well that's the thing it's for her it's like a reserved cockiness like it's just like she doesn't have to say it. I, she'll like I, show it gently but like you know she knows she's the but best that's the thing I, it's not cockiness at all and i know you don't like necessarily mean it in a bad way but like no not to at me all. it's not just like, such a matter of fact like it, it's just like it's just i am the best and it's yeah. it's just how it is <laughs> like it's not it's not like a good it's not a bad it's not an up or down it just is i love that mm. which naturally brings us guys to some nfl talk which we will be doing on this very podcast i promise i want to start with demarius thomas not because we share a last name no <laughs> it is because this guy retired um, it's been a rough last couple of years. Just at, at Father Time caught up with him pretty quickly. Um, Post Denver has not gone well, but he was a he was just a machine for a solid five year stretch. And it's kind of it's kind of crazy how little we remember him. But I wanted to ask you guys like what your biggest memory of Demarius Thomas will be, and also just like where we rank him in terms of all-time great wide receivers. Do we think that had he just gotten more time with Peyton, we look at him a similar way we look at Reggie Wayne, Marvin Harrison? Did he like? What do we make of his time in Denver? And do you think it's underrated, Caitlin? We'll start with you. Um, well, first off, he was you know one of the most consistent receivers for the Broncos, and kind of like going off what you said, like. Peyton Manning's favorite target, but I am also a huge Tim Tebow fan, so I have to bring up that like uh, AFC wildcard game in 2012 when he caught that nice touchdown pass. Um, so I would say that was probably, you know, stands out to me the most just because of Tim T- Tebow, honestly. Dalton, when Tebow hit that, it hit Demarius Thomas to beat the Steelers, <laughs> do, do you remember what set they were running defensively? that they just sold out so much they did not believe Tebow could hit that crossing pattern that they lost the game because of how little respect they had for Tebow. Do you remember just what they were lined up as in that game, in that last play? I, I, I don't remember the, the defense, uh, the the entire thing. I don't even think there was a safety over the top. I think there they were wasn't. playing straight cover zero. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were bringing the entire house. It, it's incredible. If you go back, Sam Monson pointed it out today of PFF 
on Twitter, and it's just you. I, I just forgot like how much of anomaly, uh, how much of an anomaly he was. Anonymy, anomaly. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, like whatever. Um, that he really was, especially during that time period. But like it was, it was crazy. Like the way they defended uh, Tebow in that game, and the way the Steelers lost that game, and Demarius Thomas just breaking out and it just the full on sprint and the way they, they iced it. It was one of my favorite moments. Cause it, it's one of those football moments that I remember where I was when the Broncos beat the Steelers in that game. Like I remember where I was, who I was with and our reaction of just like, Oh my God, Tebow just won a playoff game. It was, it was, it was so interesting, but like, I mean, in terms of overall career, that that's a great moment in history for the NFL. But like, I, I don't really like look at Demarius Thomas as one of the greats. I mean, like he had a really solid five years, but I mean, you know, I think there was a little Bermuda triangle of weirdness that existed on that Broncos team, right? That really just centered around Peyton Manning because once Peyton left, the team went to shit. You know, obviously, like Adam Gase is one of the worst coaches that's ever existed of the last 30 years. Right. And Demarius kind of fell off, too. So, like, I think he had like a really like huge flash in the pan. And, you know, like Caitlin said, one of the most solid stretches of receiving uh, the Broncos had seen in a very long time. But it's just like it seems like that just that little contingent of years existed like almost like on an island, like lost. Yeah, for me, when I think about him, I, I think about him in the kind of the same light that I look at Des Bryant, somebody who two guys that were playing at the same time. And we kind of talked about as like maybe not the best wide receivers in the league, but one of, you know, two of the most dangerous guys in the league and two of the more physical freaks because they both played the game super physically. And, and I think that when we talk about that, that's really what we're going to remember about Demarius Thomas. And then just on top of the fact, like, man, that 2014 season was unbelievable for him I, I think he had like 110 catches he had 1600 yards I remember those offenses from from 13 to for I think it was 14 and 15 with 15 being that historic offense um for Denver I, I just I remember him being one of the best receivers in the game during that time and just kind of um you know adding on to that he was just a big play factor, you know, like when the Broncos needed a big play, he was just able to execute it and do it. Yeah, for I, sure. I just, it's also amazing that he came from the triple option at Georgia Tech. Like that was just a dude, like you saw what happened with Stephen Hill and guys who came out of that uh, Paul Johnson offense, but uh, he was just not a, not a receiver. Basically he was a blocker in college. He just ran fly patterns and blocked all the time when he was at, uh, at tech so it was it's just kind of funny to see how those uh receivers translate to the nfl because we saw what happened with hill in new york and then we see what happened with demarius thomas in denver but um really i just think really solid just a solid receiver for for a good amount of time and uh won a super bowl um carl nazib he had a big announcement uh the first active nfl player to come out as um as gay in the in the NFL, and it was a big moment. I think I'm not sure if he's still the highest selling jersey as of this recording. Uh, the NFL after the announcement was made, um, the NFL obviously uh, outpouring of support all across the NFL. John Gruden, I thought, had a good statement about this. Evan, what does his announcement mean for the NFL going forward? I mean, I you know, I. Th- 
I think it, this was to me a, such an important moment out. Like you, when Michael Sam came out, you know, there was so many things surrounding it that I felt like took away from it, like the position in which he was drafted and the fact that a lot of people thought he wasn't like worthy of a draft spot because of his physical talent as a football player and things like that. And, and I thought that just took away from a lot of what was important in the moment. And now this time around, you know, you've got Carl Nassib who's been in the NFL for a long time, who, you know, really the way he came out was just so, um, you know, it was just so, well put and his statement was just so strong and impactful and i thought it just really like stood by itself on its own you know own two feet of i'm coming out because is what what i want to do and you know talking about you know just one person saying some something to someone can stop the the risk of suicide by you know exponential numbers and things like that and i just thought like there was so much within this moment that like really allowed people to go why is it so ridiculous that people that are still afraid to come out at this point in 2021? And then you see like how, you know, just how happy he was in that moment. And you're just like, you know, it's, I think it's, it's kind of taking away like a lot of the weirdness that try people try and put around it. And it's now just become like a, Oh, he came out good for him. And that's, that's what I like the most about it. Like after the fact there was no like, you know, big angry discussions or like crazy first take, like, what is this? What is that? It was just people were like, as far as what I saw on Twitter was just like, that's awesome. Good for him. Hell yeah. And like, I just hope that every time that a player comes out moving forward, it becomes less and less of a spectacle. And it's just us celebrating and happy that someone can be, you know, comfortable to do something like that. If that makes sense. Dalton, what do you think? No, I mean, a- absolutely. So I, I wrote about this for the Pro Football Network. Um, and I-, I think, you know, for me, when I heard him speak, it, it was so nonchalant, kind of. He's just like, hey, y'all, I'm Carl Nassib. I'm here in my, you know, home in Pennsylvania and, and I'm gay. And it, it was just the, the way that he said it, the way that he spoke in that time. And, and even on top of that, like 46 Instagram posts is all he has. Like this is a very private person. This isn't somebody who is going to do this, you know, for any type of attention. Like he felt that it was the right thing to do. He has a higher calling. And I think that showing that courage to do that, even though you don't know what the backlash is going to be. I know it's 2021 and, you hope that we've progressed a little bit over the years, but there is still a lot of hate out there in the world for everybody. And so I think what he did more than what it did for the NFL, it's, it's what it's going to do to, to kids, you know, high school kids in locker rooms or college kids in locker rooms, you know, to actually have somebody to look up to because like Evan said, the Michael Sam thing was totally different. Uh, and it was because of the circumstances that surrounded Michael Sam with, with Nassib, man, he's a pro. He's going to go back to being quiet and you're never going to hear a word from him and he's going to work and he's going to support uh, the Trevor project and, and he's going to do all of that kind of in silence. And I think that that is kind of a, a really good spokesperson, uh, especially for the LGBTQ cause. 
Caitlin, what do you what do you make of all of it? Yeah, well, I think um, just kind of going off, I thought you guys both had great answers. Uh, so I agree. I think um, his courage is one of the you know the reasons why I believe everyone needs to be their true self. And I think he sets a great example not only to like athletes or men but to everyone to be their true self and you know hopefully we can live in a world one day where everyone's free to express themselves and you know has the courage to do so and I think you know happiness is everything and I'm glad he's happier with being um, his true self I think it also shows that the NFL is creating kind of like an inclusive league so I think that um, it was great of him to do and he set a great example for the league and for everyone yeah, I think what Dalton was saying is like really to me like wh- what I think we need to focus on the most going forward is like representation is what ultimately is going to f- to to fix a lot of the the problems that we have with like you know lack of information or ignorance or you know even hate or anything like that and you know the more Carl Nassibs or Nasibs that there are you know the more kids growing up are going to be like yo I don't have to worry about what people think like there's a guy in the NFL right now starting for a you know pro football team and he's gay and you know like it's just it's just gonna the more that it's normalized the you know the le- the less kids will have to struggle growing up the, you know the more representation that people have uh you know the kids will have a have a chance to be who they want to be and be who they are and so i i think that's kind of for me the the biggest takeaway on it yeah i think that's true and i think uh to dalton's point as well is that like it i think it's important that he's active and that he is going to be someone that you're going to see uh on the football field this fall that you're going to see uh, come up with a big sack that he's somebody that you're going to see be marketed and be somebody that has staying power. And um, I think that's important just to have someone who is active and playing and that uh, younger kids who are um, just high school, like wherever they're playing right now and they are going through something similar, then like they have that person to look at and be like, okay, this isn't going to have to be something I worry about later because Carl took that step for, for all of us. I think it's, um, by and large, I think that's that's a huge, huge thing that we're we're just gonna see down the line. Uh, people talk about this moment uh, for them, uh, probably having a big impact on their playing career. Maybe keep playing because I'm sure there have been players, who, good players, who've been discouraged or been who have left sports, not just football, because of the locker room aspect and because of um, fear of how their teammates react and stuff like this. And now that you have someone who's active and has the backing of the coach of the league and of the players in the locker room with him, I I hope that that puts a lot more um, young men at ease as they uh, go through that and not have to be anxious about this and that it's uh, normalized. Um. The Steelers, David Castro. it looks like it's really bad. He might be retiring. That was like a big, big thing a couple days ago where the Steelers' offensive line was already um, just going through a lot of problems. We know that Big Ben uh, changed his release point to become one of the quickest release quarterbacks in the NFL uh, last season because of the offensive line and just the way this offense is built. And um, now he's going to have to get a little bit faster i think because they signed trade turner to fill that role um they get a little bit of cap room out of releasing to castro it looks like he is pro- like you don't do this unless you're pretty certain i would 
expect from Kevin Colbert that he is not playing football again. But what was once a strength and one of the best offensive line units in, across the NFL just two, three years ago with Mike Munchak running things has really fallen off a cliff. And with how many skilled players out wide and just how much I'm into Deontay Johnson and what this off, this uh, playmaker room is going to look like when you add in Najee Harris and friends, like Dalton, what, what do you make of DeCastro's departure? And do you think Turner can hold the hold the fort and that the Steelers will have a good enough offensive line to really contend in a jam-packed, difficult AFC North? I think it's going to be really difficult. This is an offensive line that is really kind of falling off a cliff, man. I, I don't really see a lot that I, that I really like there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and at the end of the day, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger is going to get the ball out of his hands as fast as possible. I don't think that you really have to worry about it uh, from that perspective as much. Uh, but when it comes to you know getting Najee Harris going and getting his confidence up because confidence is so big in a runner and so big in a cornerback. Um, and, and so like you really need him to have those openings. And I love Najee Harris. I love he feels like a Pittsburgh Steeler type of player. I just I, I need the offensive line to be good because that's what really matters when it comes down to it. If you doesn't matter how talented you are as a back, if you ain't got the holes to run through, it's gonna be a tough outing. And and I I just I see that uh with these Pittsburgh Steelers. Caitlin, what do you think? Well, I think it's going to uh be tough to fill the void of, you know, DeCastro and I think that Trey Turner is kind of a bit of a downgrade since the Chargers got rid of him. And, I mean, DeCastro was, you know, phenomenal um, on the offensive line. And I think that, you know, he was able to protect B- Big Ben um, consistently. So, I don't know. I think it's going to be <laughs> – it's going to be tough. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. It's definitely going to be tough. But, like, I just think in general where we're at right now from the Steelers is, like – this is the year, in my opinion, they're going to go, oh, we made the mistake. We stuck with Ben one year longer than we should have, right? Like, I mean, the idea of they're bringing Ben back, um, you know, I know that he's got a lot of history there. I understand that. And I understand that, you know, the the, the, the the city loves him. But, like, I just don't see that that's the right move. And now you're looking at, you're, you're looking at a team that, like, needs desperately, like, help right obviously their their offensive line is going to struggle um and you know what do they do they take a running back in the first round so a a team that's cutting one of their better for the last few years uh offensive lineman has an older quarterback and you draft a running back like these aren't you know these aren't the keys to success and i i just don't know what the steelers are really doing um you know it kind of reminds me a little bit about the giants taking saquon barkley Mm. So we're like, we all agreed that he was the best player in the draft, but like you're seeing what happens here is that um, by the time they figure out the the quarterback or they, by the time they add enough weapons around the quarterback and they fix the offensive line, everything else, it's like, Oh, Saquon Barkley's had a couple injuries and we got no value out of that pick because he's already at the, the Todd Gurley level in his career. Like we don't know what Saquon Barkley is going to look like a year and a half from now, but if I had to guess, like it's not going to be great. I mean, he's a, he's a warrior and he's on the field he's great but like running backs just don't don't last a long time and they just don't 
they're not they're not worth it especially where the the Giants took him and I think the Steelers not going offensive line or going somewhere else um will be a problem because you can you can find running backs and like Dalton said the offensive line's going to be as bad as we expect it doesn't really matter um if it's Najee Harris out there because he's also just not not he's not exactly Travis Etienne out wide uh for Pittsburgh I would say I gotta say, I'm in, not to be a 49ers fan, Homer, which like I mean, mm. tattoo, tattoo it on my neck. I basically <laughs> that's all I am. But like, I'm gonna watch Trey Sermon mm-hmm. and Najee Harris like very closely, and and that's kind of you know what I'm saying. Like even like you'll you'll find other running backs that'll probably be successful this year. But like that's what happens. You take you know a running back a little bit later. You're taking in the first. I I don't know. I don't know about you guys. I love watching the Steelers fail. Mm. I don't like Ben Roethlisberger, <laughs> so I'm kind of cool with all of this. I don't know. Well, I think they're like. going to fail anyway. Like I think they are the favorite to finish last in in the AFC North. I I would not expect good things from them. I think the AFC North is a bloodbath, and I think the Bengals are going to be good with Higgins and Chase and a healthy Joe Burrow, and just getting um getting uh what the left tackle back from last year who they lost Jonah Williams um. I, I just think the, the Bengals are going to be a lot better than people think, and I think there's real a real possibility the Steelers are a lot, lot worse than, than people think. Uh, what about you guys? I Actually, Caitlin, if you could, could you give us a non-biased opinion? Because Chase loves him some Joe Burrow. <laughs> and he, I think he thinks that Joe Burrow is going to save uh, the Bengals. Mm. Is it? What is like both both you guys? What is your non biased opinion on on that? He's also make like Caitlin make sure that you like the, he's also adding here because he is a gigantic Justin Herbert guy, being an Oregon guy. Why, like why, why you got to be about that? Why can't well, I mean, like that's where Burrow. this is coming why, from. So he wants you to say whether or not Burrow. he's better than Justin Herbert. No, is it, no, 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 no. Mm. I want to know: Do we think the Bengals are actually going to be successful next year um, with Joe Burrow at the helm? I think yes, but let me just go back. So, like, Joe Burrow. Okay, so I went to Alabama, and obviously, hopefully none of my Alabama fans come at me um, about me loving Joe Burrow. But I I think Joe, Joe Burrow will be, like, one of the best. <laughs> and I think that he is just – I think he's phenomenal. And I think that definitely the Bengals will be successful, no doubt. I like it. Case closed, Evan. Case closed. <laughs> don't, don't bring it home for me. Come on. <laughs> um, I, I hate to do this to you, buddy, but uh, I think that the Bengals could be better than the Steelers there this year. There it is. Oh. I, now, how successful can they be? I mean, they're still going to be the third best team at best yeah. in the division because right. the NFC North is so good. Um, I mean – We've already seen what Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow can do. And, like, listen, I was lower on Jamar Chase just in a vacuum, but he went to the perfect spot. Um, I could definitely see him, you know, having that 1,200-yard rookie season just right off the bat uh, because he already has that rapport with Joe Burrow. Now, when it comes to the Steelers, they're just – they're done, man. I love the defense. That's what sucks about it. Like, I really like that defensive line. Uh, You're looking at T.J. Watts, Stephen Tuitt. Cam Hayward, like that is three absolute dudes. And then you have guys like Alex Highsmith, rush passer a little bit. Um, a, a healthy Devin Bush is awesome. Mika is the a top three safety in the NFL. And Terrell Edmonds has even gotten a little bit better, man. It's just 
They lost their corners. They don't have an offensive line, and that's two places I want my football team to be strong. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, it's all the Bengals now, man. I like it. I like it. Tough break, Evan. Tough break. Hey, you, you win some, you lose some. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's all about how you get back up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Bucky Brooks. <laughs> like Joe Burrow. Yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow coming back from a devastating, gruesome. Yeah. That was a bad injury. injury. That was a yeah. an all time bad one. It was uh it was bad. But Joe Burrow also people forget people forget the coolest college quarterback of all time. Um, Bucky Brooks <laughs> has a, a very good NFL analyst for NFL.com. Um, I love listening to the sticks with him and Daniel Jeremiah. But he has a top five QB coach combos under the most pressure heading into twenty twenty one. Caitlin, of these five, who would you say? is the most under pressure do you think it's the rams your local team or do you think it's someone else in this list wait what was the question sorry no the top five quarterback coach combos under the most pressure from bucky brooks list of the five which of the five do you think is under the most pressure to win this year and make it all work who's under the most pressure um, I would, yeah, I'd probably say the Rams. Um, but I definitely think this is, I don't have the, I don't know where the list is, but or, <laughs> I don't think I'll I, tell you right now who it is. It's the Rams, Stafford and McVay, yeah. the Ravens, Lamar and John Harbaugh, the Colts, Wentz and Frank Reich, um, the Raiders, Carr and Gruden, and the Bears, Andy Dalton slash Justin Fields and Matt Nagy. Okay, I stand by my decision. <laughs> okay, can I can I jump in real real quick Absolutely. and I just ask ask a question? How could it be anybody other than the Raiders? Oh, I knew this was coming. I, like, well, uh, wait, Dalton, wait, wait, did you What do you mean? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, so, so the question is, right? QB QB slash coach duos mm-hmm. under the most pressure. So, yeah. do you think that Matt Stafford coming in on his first year? Obviously, there's a lot of pressure because they want to, you know, win the Super Bowl, big moves, things like that. But pressure, more pressure than John Gruden, who's been a head coach for years now, and Derek Carr, who's been with the Raiders since I think the first Bush presidency. You like, I get like obviously the Rams got to win it all, but they're in a really strong division. Like mm-hmm. the Raiders, a ten-year contract. And Gruden's almost halfway through it, and he's still playing with Derek Carr. Like, I don't know, man. I just feel like the stakes are pretty high because they're not, like, living up to the dream. Wait, is you Gruden know? already halfway done with that 10-year contract? No. Not he's, halfway. Four, he's four, four years in. Yeah, okay. is it almost. I was going to say, I was like, year. but that's still kind of crazy. We're going to look back at this, and it's just going to sneak up on us. Gruden's in, like, year seven, and we're like, no. Oh, my God. And they've never been but, good still. Yeah, that, But that's, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, do you guys think the Raiders are even in a position to, like, compete with the first position in the AFC West? No, I mean, no. that's not really fair. The Chiefs are just, like, I don't think I don't think they have a chance at the Chiefs. But, like, if you were to tell me, like, they finish, they should be the favorites to finish second in the AFC West, I would say yes. I know it's not the same. I know Chargers, it's not the same. Broncos, Raiders. I mean, it's not a bad division overall. But, like, well, yeah. here's, 
Here's the thing, and, and this is kind of why I would disagree with you, but I think that Derek Carr was good last year. He was he was actually very good last year, and I hadn't said that about him in the past, but he was really good last year. John Gruden has ran this team into the ground. So I think when we talk about and, – and that's serious because he is the GM. We can talk about Mike Mayock being the GM, but right. he's a puppet pretty much. And, and I don't mean it but that degrading. It's not just QB, but, right? It's QB and coach duos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but see, that's when, why I don't when, put the Raiders number about, one because there's no yeah, pressure on John Gruden. That dude's got a ten-year contract. It does not matter. He can if Carr fails, he will find the next guy. So they're flirting if with you Rogers think that the Oakland yet. Raiders fans, not the ones in Vegas, if you think that the <laughs> fans from Oakland will not drive to Las Vegas <laughs> and whoop John Gruden's ass if he does not. Start doing better. You're, there, that, there's more pressure, I promise you. Like, John Gruden's going into a, a, this fourth year. Dude, I mean, not once again, 49ers reference. Kyle Shanahan literally, you can argue that literally took over one of the worst rosters in NFL history when he started as a head coach. They went to the Super Bowl within three years. John Gruden is going on his fourth year. This team this year might be one of the worst that they've had since he yeah, started. Yeah, it is. Why is I, but see when I look at these names, like I don't think the Ravens have any pressure. Lamar's been MVP. He's thirty and seven <laughs> since being the Ravens. Yeah, like People the Harbaugh is maybe the Lamar. second best coach in the NFL. Like there's no pressure in Baltimore. Like they just have no. had some bad luck. And, like it's fine. There's no pressure there. Where there is pressure though is they don't put them on here, and I think I would throw them in. Is the Patriots like? Now that we just saw Brady win without Belichick, and now Belichick obviously seeing concern there, he he goes Mac Jones. Um, the Cam stuff obviously fell apart last year after some promising early returns. He's got a full offseason. He looks healthy. That's all great, but there is legit competition open between Cam versus Mac by all accounts. How are the Patriots not on this list of the quarterback situation and the McDaniels-Belichick quarterback combo like i think there's all kinds of pressure in new england you just you especially lost yeah no i'm just saying like especially with how much money they spent like you're yes. talking exactly what you're saying the, the, i mean they drafted i think they signed every player available in free agency did mm. they not i mean they, they spent the most money in yeah. nfl history right in free agency am i misremembering that like every single player that was available in free Matthew agency judon i mean gilmore is still hasn't reported i don't think so that's gonna that might get a little bit ugly <laughs> but yeah, no, they spent all kinds of money. They signed Johnny Smith. They are doing the two tight end set with him and Hunter Henry. They have talent everywhere now. Like, I don't I don't know how they're not on the list. Caitlin, they're your team. You're a Patriots fan. Like, do you agree with the fact that they should be on this list? Yes, I 100% do. And just like everything you guys are saying, I mean, I think that they have to be on the list, in my opinion. And also, I mean, like, do you think that – I mean, does he start? Who, Cam or uh, Mac? I mean, I'm I am talking about the talking to the individual who was very much so involved with Alabama, <laughs> right? Like Caitlin, what do you think? I mean, like, I, don't... I go back and forth so much about who's going to start. Like, part of me, for some reason, like just can't trust Mac Jones yet, but like I don't trust Cam Newton either. So I'm kind of just like throw in whoever I don't know I think Mac Jones is like kind of more I don't know I think he can be more consistent than Cam Newton and I think Cam Newton is kind of like too wild and like crazy for me and I think 
Max Jones kind of shows more consistent, more like, um, I don't know, he can be more reliable. So I think that Cam is going to start, and then I think Mac is going to, I don't know, start real soon after that. I don't I don't have my hopes up for either at this point. <laughs> hmm. I, I wish they were playing up the Auburn-Alabama factor here. This is just big time, the Auburn versus Alabama dynamic, like two national champion winning quarterbacks from uh, from the Iron Bowl. Like you got Cam I- winning. It's great. Like I'm excited for this. They should be playing this up more. But you're, you're, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Alabama fans, you know, I've been a Patriots fan, you know, my basically my whole life, um, or like since I was maybe eight. And um, you know, after I went to Alabama, people are like, "How can you be a Patriots fan and like support Cam Newton and you know all this stuff?" And now you know, Max on the team and multiple other Alabama players. <laughs> now there's a lot of um, Alabama Patriots fans. It's great. And we know yeah. the Saban Belichick dynamic. Did y'all watch that documentary? They're just like they're they're best friends. It's on HBO. But yeah. Those two, they go hand in hand. Um, I just think they're it on is there. a weird list. It is a weird list, though. I mean, like, I wouldn't put the Colts. I don't mean like I would put the, the Colts Col- on there. No, they belong. Like Frank no, I mean, Wright is putting a lot of lot of faith, and Chris Ballard's putting a lot of faith in Carson Wentz the redemption yeah. tour. Yeah, I don't know. I just I think there's people out there that maybe have some faith in Carson Wentz in a in a redemption arc. Mm-hmm. I personally don't. So like I'm very aware the Colts to me have one of the when you take get rid of the QB position they have one of the most solid rosters and NFL GMs that you could possibly have, right? Yeah. Like genuine genuinely. And I just have no faith in Wentz at all. Um, you know, I I don't I really don't. So I think if you have faith in Wentz, there's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Um, if you're a pessimist like I am. Well, that division sucks too. Like, there's no reason for them not to win the AFC South. Like, that division Car- sucks. Like, Carson Wentz is gonna fit right in. <laughs> Cause Carson Wentz sucks. There's gonna be a Carson Wentz versus David Mills game this fall. Oh, God. How excited are you for that, Dalton? Are you gonna go drive down to Houston for that legendary QB matchup? No, absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> No, that sounds terrible. No, I, I mean, first of all, I wouldn't go to Houston anyways. Oh. Um, it's Listen, I, it's just really humid in Houston. I'm just not going to deal with that if I don't have to. Humidity is terrible. No, I, think, it was, I actually it was, think Evan tweeted that today. Literally 82% humidity today in Santa Monica. And I was like, all right, fuck it. I'm getting away from <laughs> I'm leaving the beach. Get me out of here. I'm going back downtown. Like, I don't I, I was literally like in my room like working and I was just started sweating because I had my door open and I'm just like hold up hold up like am I sick I'm not moving I my only my fingers are moving and my body started sweating and there's people that are just like on the east coast or in Houston they're like oh I'm gonna go to the store now <laughs> no it's an evil thing uh yeah no it's humid is just like the part of being in the south like i'm i'm just so used like georgia and tennessee are just notoriously humid yeah. humid places it's it's rough i'm used to it you weren't built for this evan God, i just i need i give me a dry heat 80 degrees 90 degrees i loved arizona i could do that just mm. keep me by dry pool. heat yeah mm. so much easier any day of the week brutal I don't want any of this. I don't, I, I'm out on the beach. Like I did a week at the beach a few weeks ago for vacation and was out. Like I burned 
within six hours and i was like oh, fuck it right. i'm you out you gotta keep re- you gotta keep reapplying i reapplied twice spf 50 and i still if it, burned if it makes you feel any better i yeah. was in san francisco sun saturday mm-hmm. saturday and i was at a park and i'm telling you like one of the cloudiest days i've <laughs> seen in the two and a half years i've been in la obviously i don't see a lot of cloudy days uh but i mean genuinely Ooh. like there were no I didn't, I mean, yeah, that was a kind of a douchebag <laughs> flex. I'm sorry, but I'm just trying to like set the tone here. Like there mm. was no, there's no sun at all. And I got so sunburned, <laughs> like wearing normal clothes. Like it, like it was, the girl was like, Hey, uh, Evan, you should, uh, put some, uh, sunblock on. I'm like looking around I'm like for what? And like, by, by the time she said that it was already too late, I was broken. So I get it. Man, it was you, painful. You. I'd forgotten what it was like, but now I'm like a runner with long sleeves, but I was also the dork at the beach with the long sleeves on and just walking around. Everyone else is just baking. Did uh, you have the same block on the nose? Like just a little dab? I had to after that. Yeah. It was I love awful. That for you. Love that for it you. It was awful. The most 30, like I just looked like a dad. Like I'm, I'm officially 30. Like I'm putting white sunblock on my nose and my girlfriend's um, Hispanic. So like, she's just like turning like a totally different shade within like three hours. And it's insane. Like just the disparity. And I'm just like, I'm not, this is your thing. I, I can't do this. This is not going to work. Take me back to the mountains. I, I don't belong. I wasn't, I don't belong in the sun. I, I went full Howie from the bench warmers where like the sun's not my friend. And, uh, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna take you to a, a 49ers game in November mm-hmm. at Levi's Stadium so you can just cook. No, I, I I promise you, I'm wearing a quarter zip and a sun hat. That's what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Um, speaking of stadiums, though, Arlington Heights picking up picking up some uh, momentum that the Bears might actually get stolen away from downtown Chicago. Uh, Dalton, what do you make of this, and why does it uh, suck just as much as I think it does? I would just like to point out that that was a very professional transition you made there. Also, I would like to point out that I would like the Bears to move yesterday because I'm tired of Soldier Field all 22. Oh, I, listen, oh, I, I I'm here for this Chicago. take. All right, explain. I, I explain. Love, I love Chicago. I love downtown Chicago as long as it's not winter. Uh huh. It's great. I like cities that are in city centers. City centers are cooler, guys. <laughs> but I can't watch more Soldier Field All 22. I just can't do it. I can't do it. Explain to people who are not familiar. Like, what, what do you mean? What, so why? If, if, if you guys are out there and you don't have NFL Game Pass, and why would you if you're just like a fan of football? It's for sickos. Um, and I'm a sicko. <laughs> Um, so soldier field, all 22 is the, the coaches tape. It's, it's the end zone angle and the, the high sideline angle where you can see all 22 players, unless it's soldier field, all 22. And then it's shot like a high school football game level where it's like just over top of the heads of the players, but it's still on the sideline. So like you might catch somebody on the sideline every once in a while, in your camera as well. You can see about 12 of the 22 players. It's just horrific. I, I don't know why it exists. I don't know why they can't put a crane up with a better camera. It's really awful. I hate it. I got to tell you, I mean, like, I can't stress this enough. As a guy who has been to Levi's Stadium 
um, which for the, you know, the uninitiated, right? Like it's in Santa Clara. It's about an hour south, essentially, from San Francisco, nowhere near the city. They basically failed to put a city in a stadium in San Francisco. And then they're like, I guess their idea was they'll put it down south by like these tech hubs and maybe they'll create a city around it. Um, I don't know. But if Chicago does this, if they take one of the most iconic stadiums of all time, one of the most iconic football teams of all time, and they put it out in the suburbs where I don't know if you know people um, from Chicago, but like nobody in Chicago gets made fun of more than the people that move to the suburbs. That's actually a fact. Like, yes. uh, like, like, yes. it's, like they're like second class citizens. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not joking. It's like the lion King. We're like, do you see that dark area? Like everything the light touches is always that dark place is the suburbs. You must never go there. And, <laughs> and I'm, I'm not joking. Like, I, I just can't think of a team that would, would be worse off doing that. Like my buddy who's like a a season ticket holder and a diehard fan was like, they're saying that it's like just a way to like kind of position, um, you know, themselves from the city standpoint, like from a football team standpoint, like, like, yo, we'll go to the suburbs if you don't give us a new stadium. Uh, So I'm hoping that's the case, but like, yeah, I can't stress it enough. That would be like one of the saddest stories in, in football. It would just bum me out. Like I've been there. Like I just drove by, and it's in a such a cool spot. Like Soldier Field is just cool, and just moving it would just. Uh, I understand it makes Dalton's life more difficult on all twenty-two. <laughs> but as he said, he's a sicko, and we should not bend the knee for NFL sickos. We... True, that is true. <laughs> no, but you know, but that's what I'm saying. Though, do what the 49ers couldn't do. Mm-hmm. Make, do a new stadium. Renovate it. Tear that bitch down and play. No, leave it as is. Stop at the no, no, no. Have you have you been there? One singular tower. No, no, no. Have you been there though? Yes, but it's been a long time. That stadium looks like like Gerard Butler should be in the middle of it, like fighting with a pickaxe. That's perfect. That's how it should be. (laughs) No, dude, it's that's football. Yeah, it's so bad. I, I, I mean, when the when the when two hand touch Evan Swartz. When Alabama has a better stadium. Mm-hmm. Than a professional football team, like there's something wrong. Well, Alabama might not college, be the best example of this. Like the Alabama stadiums are better um, than professional stadiums. Well, one of the things that people forget, and they're doing some renovations around Neil and Danny White to uh, push this um, Tennessee's new AD. And one of the things that I think we, we as a group, especially Kate and Caitlin, can admit to is that Tennessee and the Chicago Bears they go hand in hand because they value. Um, just their city, they value the education components of their city. They value keeping things as is and making it just making it look good for everybody involved. And you don't want it to seem like you just have all the money in the world and you create all these complexes and everything is nice and new and great. You want to have some oldness. You want to have some like, wow, there's a Reggie White statue. Wow, there's a Peyton Manning Boulevard. Wow, there's T. Martin Boulevard. It feels real. It feels genuine. That's the one thing we can all agree is that Tennessee and the Tennessee Volunteers and the Chicago Bears feel genuine and you feel good when you're there. And you never feel good when you're in Tuscaloosa because it's an evil place that should not be celebrated. <laughs> I mean, no, I I definitely like agree with what you said with, with what you said and I like what you said. I feel like Alabama's new stadium is, in, I mean, incredible what they've done. 
all the but they've like added so much like techie stuff that it almost like I mean of course it doesn't go with like the town so it's just interesting mm-hmm. but like at Alabama like the football stadium and just the football program like literally is the school yeah so you know of course they have to appeal to recruits and you know everyone else and <laughs> be the best that they are but um I agree with what you said but I mean, okay, going back though to the Bears stadium, um, I mean, Mike Dicka flat out said today that like he doesn't think that they should, you know, move out of Chicago into the suburbs, and that you know the Bears are the pro- product of the city, which I completely agree with. So I feel like they should just leave the stadium as is, you know, maybe upgrade a little bit, but I think they should stay. I think we downgrade. Let's make it more gladiator type. Let's tear it down some more. Let's. Uh... I'm- Yo, I'm cool with the old school vibes, mm-hmm. but like they're they're 400 level. Like those, like you're basically climbing a ladder at that point when you're <laughs> walking up the stairs. Like to call them stairs is like just so counterintuitive. Like it's just a ladder. You're just going up at that All point. All right, only and the it, strong get to sit um, in the 400 section. Then All right. like Whatever. like I was literally uh, <laughs> they like, died and we died. Went, we went last second and we bought some like, you know, just cheap tickets. Cause I was just in town and he's like, yo, let's go to a bears game. Right. And like legitimately he was like, do you want another beer? And I'm like, if you want another beer and you're going to go down there, I'll have you grab me one. <laughs> I'm not going down there. Like I can't, my legs will give out. I didn't, I didn't plan on working out today. I can't do it. So I'm just saying like, you know what I'm saying? Like just expand a little bit, maybe spread the stadium out a little bit, make it bigger. Hmm. Yeah, so we've we've come up with their next plan. They're going to stay there, but mm-hmm. they're going to make, you know, some renovations, upgrade a little bit, but not too much so they keep the history. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, like, you know, if the Rams can play at USC for a year or two, right? Like, yeah. the Bears can play somewhere else while they, like, rebuild the stadium or add to it. Or do it during the college football season. in Evanston, Illinois, the Northwestern Wildcats. People forget. The yeah. college football is just they, means Chicago has like 17 co- college football teams there. Mm. Also, just everyone moves from their Midwest college to downtown Chicago. It seems like it, Iowa, Michigan State, Michigan, Chicago is just a bunch of Big Ten grads just all living in one one city. Um, Morgan Moses signed with the Jets, um, the Jets quietly really putting a lot of draft or just a lot of resources as a whole into their offensive line to protect the one and only the Michael Jordan bandana wearing Zach Wilson. Dalton, what do you, what do you make of the jets replenishing their offensive line and kind of doing the, the opposite, the inverse of what the Steelers have done this off season? I love it. I, I really do. I loved what Joe Douglas and company were doing in the off season, you know, with the draft, uh, they got Elijah Vera Tucker after getting Wilson, made sure they got him. Um, now they have Morgan Moses at, at, at the right tackle spot. They already had Mackay Becton. You know, they're, they're really throwing names on the interior. You know, Connor McGovern might not be what he used to be, um, but I, I think they're trying to surround their quarterback in a good situation because we've seen so, so often – situation is just as important as your talent when it comes to you know a ton of positions but especially the quarterback position if you don't have that offensive line uh and and the receiving core to help you out it's gonna make your life difficult and we saw this you know with the inverse with, with Dak Prescott in 2016 where he was a good player but 
he really was helped out by a great supporting cast and, and coming in as a fourth round rookie. You're never going to expect that, you know, and for them to try to do what they have done with getting this offensive line in check and, and adding guys like Elijah Moore on top of, you know, already having Jamison Crowder, being able to keep Jamison Crowder for another year as well uh, was huge. So I, I, I love everything that they've done, um, including the Michael Piran draft pick, because I think he's a great fit for that running style. We don't talk Did about you, how or, big yeah, not, not, is. Not the Michael P. Ryan, Michael Carter, my bad. Mm. Did you guys see – I don't know if any of you guys saw this headline today, but did you see the headline about uh, Wilson in practice? No. I don't – like, it looked real, but, like, I, I guess I should probably Google it now, but apparently he threw 12 interceptions in practice today. Uh, listen, practice is all about figuring yeah. out what you can't do. Right, I'm, I've, and I've said that many a times, but I just got to say – I think that's 12 uh, less than two or three. 12's impressive. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, it had to be fake, though, because I'm Googling it now, and I don't see it. I got, uh, I'm got. i really – We're all offside. It's online. I'm, <laughs> I'm really excited, though, for the 49ers East. Mm. And Morgan Moses yeah. is obviously no, – no, Yeah, no BS. So I, I really am, too. I, I'm, I'm really pumped about this. I, I got you know what I'm saying like I think it's gonna be great I think it's gonna be awesome I'm hoping for years to come we really do have a Trey Lance versus Zach Wilson like situation where both teams can have like a fun rivalry mm-hmm. um, so you know give them the offer I'm like Colin how is Trey how how is he progressing no, I'm just kidding. uh yeah but no I am excited for that I, the Jets are gonna be a fun team to watch um. It is amazing that we're just like penciling in the Jets doing all these great things. Like it is still ultimately the Jets. And this division, we talk about bloodbath, but like the Pats weren't an abject disaster and their defense is still going to be one of the best defenses in football. Um, I think it's just going to be so tight. Like you have the Bills who I don't think are regressing at all. I think Josh Allen maybe takes a step back a little bit, but they're still pretty locked and loaded um on both sides of the ball they locked up their linebackers they locked up a lot of their secondary they have invested just all kinds of draft capital in their edge rushers um they are going to be good and they should still be the favorites in the afc east but then you have the dolphins who are also sitting there just perfectly built by chris greer and brian flores and you look at all their talent you're like wow love their draft their offensive line looks good their defense is making moves you finally don't have to rely on Devonte parker to keep this thing going i'm a miles gaskin guy and you're like, okay, so where did the Jets fit in this equation? Because like this is just going like the Dolphins are built to to win now, and so are the Bills. And then you just have the Pats sitting there on the outside looking in. You're like, someone has to finish last. Someone has to struggle, and one of these four franchises have to really bottom out. And it's kind of weird that I think of the four, like I lean still more towards the Pats, and that's kind of crazy to think about just of the last twenty years. But like. I really do think the AFC East is just going to be just brutal because I really don't have a problem with how any of these four teams have spent their off season. Is that fair? Um, I'm going to defer to Caitlin. I imagine she knows that division a little bit better than I do. No, I mean, like I hate to admit it, but I do agree with you. I, I, I mean, like I think that, Patriots will fall short, which is super unfortunate and kind of tough to admit. But I agree with what you said for sure. Well, it's it. I we would feel worse if the last twenty years did not go um, 
pretty nicely for the Pats. I think it's okay for them to to fall off a little bit. I think. Uh, yeah. I time. I think it's okay. I think we can move on. Um, something that I saw that was super fascinating, Evan. Do you think it's possible in the modern NFL for Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt to both rush for a thousand yards in 2021? Because that's what they're talking about. They're saying that that's a possibility for them and that's a goal for them. If I'm looking at how they were used last year, no, I don't think it's. I don't think they will. And now there's two different questions to have. Does Kareem Hunt have the talent to have a thousand rushing yards? Yes. Does Nick Chubb? Yes. Nick Chubb could be argued to be one of, if not the best running back in the entire NFL. Um, that said, though, you know, I think we're getting closer to the version of Baker that we all kind of thought he could be when he was drafted number one overall. Um, and I just don't see that there's room for all that, right? Like, I don't think that while Baker is kind of starting to slowly take those steps towards being that person we thought he could be, you're not going to also have 2000 yard rushers. Um, I think that, you know, if Baker was struggling a little bit more or maybe there wasn't as like much confidence, maybe, but I mean, last year, the way that they, they played, they, they really, you know, they really did well. And I just, they're going to be throwing the ball more. I mean, Baker's going to have that confidence and you're not going to just run the ball every time with that type of quarterback. See, I think the inverse is going to happen. Uh, Dalton, do you surprise, agree? surprise, like- Chase <laughs> surprise, take the opposite of me. I no just biggie. think <laughs> it's nothing personal. Evan. I just think it hurts. They're going to be the second best team in the AFC this year. And I think what we see from teams like this, where to get 2000 yard rushers, you're going to have to be ahead a lot this season you're gonna have to be ahead in the first and second quarter and you're gonna have to be up 24 to 7 going into the fourth more often than not because you are going to be trying to run the clock out and uh just play out these leads and i think the browns are actually in a good position to uh be ahead late a lot like getting a healthy obj back and just the amount of talent they have on this offensive line in the backfield and with the progression of uh baker and just believing in kevin stefanski like I think there is a path because Baker is going to be asked to do even less this year. And I think they're going to be ahead in a lot of football games, which gives the opportunity to hunt and Chubb to really eat up a lot of carries and eat up a lot of yards late to, to ice games. What do you think Dalton? So I don't think that it happens. I don't think that they both get there, but I think that they both couldn't. It's just for every reason that you said. I was literally about to come on here and say I think that they could be up early, big in a lot of games, and that's how they end up both getting enough carries. Say if they both get to 250 carries somehow. Um, Nick Chubb did it in 2019. Um, probably would have gotten close to it if he would have played all 16 games in 2020. The other reason why they could do it is they have the extra game. So they're 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 going to get that extra game of carries mm. in as well. So that's something to take into account. I'm I'm kind of hedging my bet here now. I think it might be a, fo- a coin flip here if okay, they do it or that. not. Yeah, I mean, I kind of just going off what you guys said. I think they are more likely. Um, I mean, the Browns had one of the top rushing attacks in the NFL, and you know, just the Browns in general are a better team when Baker doesn't have to throw the ball. Um, and then they just kind of, I just think that they, I think they are more likely to, but I don't know if they'll actually get there. I, I hate this 17 games. Now it's not even the, like, I don't know how we're going to like look at stats. It's just going to make everything so much more. Annoying. I keep forgetting about that. 
Yeah, it's uh, going to be annoying. It is going to be annoying. Uh, last thing before we get into a couple of mailbag questions real quick. Um, state of the franchise, we have Dalton Miller here. So Dalton, the Dallas Cowboys, as the offseason moves on, most of the additions they have are in. The draft is over. Trevor Sikama, friend of the pod, uh, laid out a devastating piece on the Draft Network about some recent drafts and uh, in Dallas and just where they've missed across the board. Um, reasons for optimism and reasons for cynicism about the Dallas Cowboys in 2021 and beyond, Dalton. Totally agree, Dalton. Not going <laughs> to lie. Completely agree with where you're coming from. Dang it. I had it muted. It happened. You know what? <laughs> That's how desperate and sad the Cowboys season is going to be. He's got no <laughs> words. He's got nothing to say. Right? No. Um, I was going to say that I didn't read that piece from Trevor, and I have no clue what he's talking about, but I have too much respect for Trevor to say that. I love Trevor. Uh, listen, you can feel however you want to about the Cowboys, and depending on who you are, that's how you're going to feel. They're – they're America's team. You have the pessimists. You have the optimists. It, it really comes down to how you personally feel about it. And and I go back and forth day to day. And I guess that's part of, you know, me actually being a fan of the Dallas Cowboys and, and trying to stay as objective as possible. Um, it's just, you know, at the end of the day, it's impossible. Here's the thing. That was the saddest answer. I'm not done. In I'm not done, Evan. I'm like depressed now. (laughs) (laughs) I have hope because of Dak Prescott, because I believe in Dak Prescott that he can be a top five level quarterback in the NFL. That is why I have hope in the Dallas Cowboys. But, and to make this depressing at the end of the day, I'm 28 and I have never seen them actually, or remember them winning anything. So, there we go, Dallas Cowboys. Well, I mean, you—the one thing that I will say for you is the Cowboys should be one of you know my undying uh, rivals, uh, but they are so sad and pathetic. It's hard to kind of hold on to that. Hundred uh, um, percent. Ceedee Lamb is genuinely going to be one of the most exciting players in the NFL to watch this year. The, the offense is going to be the best. In the it's going to be. Oh best no, in the NFL. Absolutely yes. not. That is the yeah. dumbest shit I've ever heard in my <laughs> no, life. It's not. You no, can't even guarantee that Zeke's going to make six games, let alone have the... It doesn't matter. It nothing matters. Ugh. Zeke doesn't Ugh. matter. I'm, Bro, dude, I, I can't stress Matt it Prescott enough. Matt was going to throw for 6,000 yards last year before he got hurt. Yeah, of course. That's great. I did, No. He got hurt. Uh-uh. There's too yeah. many good offenses in the NFL. The, the Chiefs... It's the, the best. The, the 49ers will statistically be better than the Cowboys this year. I will guarantee no, they that. Won't. What kind of crazy bet can we have? Because, oh, my God, I'll do some stupid shit. <laughs> I'll get a White Claw tattoo. In what In what metric? Like, what metric are we doing here? Just overall total offense. Yards. You want to do yards. Okay, yeah. 100%. Evan, this is a bad idea. No. 100%. I don't – I, I kind of do, but total yards might not be the best. Just do I'm trying to think of BVOA. That, that I'll definitely do, 100%. But I I want it to be fair for the. I want it be to be fair for Dalton because I mean you know you're making it too fair by doing total yards because the Cowboys. I know, I know, but also it's yeah, but it's literally it's you know it's Kyle Shanahan versus. (laughs) 
what is that 22 year old guy's name? A, a what? Kellen Moore. Yeah, Kellen Are Moore. Are you really going to shit talk Kellen Moore right now? Compared to Kyle Shanahan? Absolutely. Bro, he was the boy wonder. Mm. People wanted him to coach coming out of college. I, I get it. I, my point is this. And I love the, Kyle Shanahan, but let's let's bring it back. I'm, I'm regardless. I'm still getting a white, white claw tattoo. Anyways, it's fine. It's not <laughs> yeah, sure. um, the 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 Cowboys won't even have like top maybe maybe top five. They'll maybe have top five offense. Maybe if nobody gets hurt. Mm, it's ridiculous. I, I if I had to pick right now, if I had to guess, got into my head who has the number one offense in TVOA this year. I would, I would say. The Titans, an offensive guy. That's with, with the uh, I want to see now that Arthur Smith is gone how that mm. looks. But yeah. I mean, I think if Aaron Rodgers sticks in Green Bay, it could be them. Seems Aaron Rodgers. He's at, at the end Green of the Bay. day, I think it's going to be you're going to look at the Rams, the 49ers, the 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 Packers. I think the Titans, I, I'm not nearly as not going to be the 49ers. They don't have a quarterback. Bro, like, I'm Jimmy Garoppolo is literally going to have the best team from an offensive talent standpoint he's ever had. Mm. Um, and they went to the Super Bowl with literally Richie James, Dante Pettis, and I, you know, like. I'm aware. The like, team is really good, and that defense was outstanding. And they have better running backs now. Like it's I think Dalton be... hates Evans' take more than Kyle Shanahan hated Dante Pettis. That's that's hard to say. I don't think that's possible, actually. Yeah. But uh, no, I mean, I love I love Kyle. Um, I like that 49ers team. I just I gotta give Bonky G some. They're very they're very similar. The Cowboys and Niners have a very similar roster set up at this point. Like Ayuk and CD are very similar. Offensively, Debo, defensively, I think they're very different. I, I no one cares about the Cowboys defense. It's the saddest shit in the world. <laughs> All right, yeah, I mean that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> that's the most defeated. Like I just watched a full Mike Nolan defense for a year. It's just like I can't. I don't even know what to say. Yeah, but his suits. The suits look great. Also, the Falcons yeah. lost to that Cowboys team in just uh, in one of the most horrific. Sunday afternoon experiences of my life. Like I will never, I like I will never forget that experience of Cowboys Falcons and watching that live with a bunch of people around me. Um, that was that was an all time bad one. And I watched twenty eight three out in public. Um, that's, that's that's yeah, that's my nickname by the way, all time bad one. <laughs> uh, well, real quick as we wrap up here, we have a couple of mailbag questions. Um, from Twitter, so you can follow all of us at Chase Double Underscore Thomas, at Dalton B Miller, at Caitlin Underscore Heffler, and to Evan <laughs> Too Furious. Um, tweet all of us. <laughs> mm-hmm. By the way, I tried to get my old account back again and got denied the second time. <laughs> That's never coming back, Evan. No, I know. <laughs> but at least you're Continue topical on. right now. Your all F9's these, coming these... out. Like you're topical. Oh. Oh All my God! Professional names and then <laughs> Evan too. <laughs> well, Evan Swords is gone now. He's dead. By the way, real quick because I'm just gonna ramble. But uh, Kofi, if you guys follow that guy on Twitter, well, it said that Fast and the Furious franchise was better than the MCU. And without even thinking about it, you know, I obviously was like, "That's ridiculous." And he was like, "Your name is literally too Evan too Furious." <laughs> and I was like, "Fuck, you're right." <laughs> uh 
but yeah, what, what do we have for those mailbag questions? Patriots Way 7 uh, said, what's better to play this year for a title holding on the Gilmore or holding on, I think he meant holding on to Gilmore or trade him for a better future. So basically, would you keep Gilmore or would you sell high if you're New England, Caitlin? Oh, gosh, I'd probably, yeah, I'd keep Gilmore. Okay. Dalton, what would you do? I would trade him to the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> Dear no, God, please. I, um, no, I mean, I, I, we've seen Bill do this kind of thing before where he kind of trades guys a year early. He's done that before. He's cut guys a year early before. He is fine with cutting the cord. Now, I, I think that Gilmore has a, another elite year in his system. So I, if they think that they can contend in the, the AFC East and make a playoff run, yeah. Absolutely, stick with him, Evan. What do you think? I, you know, like like you talked about, there's so many players. You know, going back to Richard Seymour, Chandler Jones, right? There's like it, it is the Patriots thing. But they were wrong about Chandler Jones. We need to point I, that out. Chandler Jones yeah, literally has been amazing no, no, no. in Arizona for almost a decade. Hundred percent. Yeah. And but the thing is that like every time the Patriots have ever done that, it's because they had a stacked roster that they could afford to do it, and they also had Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Right. This is a year where there's so much more they're gambling on. They've spent more in free agency this year than I think they have the last 10 years combined. Right. They're still trying to figure out the quarterback position. I just don't think they're in the position to kind of do that gamble where they're like, oh, we're going to get rid of one of our better players, but we're going to get a draft pick. We're going to get that free. You know, we're going to get the um, comp pick, et cetera, et cetera. I just they're not in a position to be able to make that gamble this year. They need Gilmore to be hopefully the best version that he can be. Um, Yeah. I don't think they they just don't have the room to make that mistake. And if you're Gilmore, I think you want to stay in new England. It's been a perfect fit and you've just been amazing the last couple of years playing in this scheme. So I'd be a little concerned moving away from JC Jackson in this group. I think uh, it's been good for him playing with Belichick. Um, Also from TL Cox, he said, how is PFF projecting Tua for 4,500 plus yards? What are they projecting him for? Would have to put him in the top five in 2021, I think. So optimism in Miami from friends at Pro Football Focus. Caitlin, this is also right up your alley with Tua, the former Alabama quarterback. Um, I'm super down on Tua. I don't know where Dalton is. And Evan, uh, do you think 4,500 yards and a big season for Tua? Because they could have taken Justin Fields at their spot and chose to take Jalen Waddle instead. Uh, what do you think about Tua in this year in Miami? Well, I think, um, well, even at Alabama, um, I, I wasn't super hot on Tua. I mean, he was great with an incredible, you know, Alabama team. Um, but I don't think that has transferred over to the NFL yet. You know, obviously he was injured I don't know. I mean, like, I hope he does well. I hope he succeeds in the NFL, but I don't think that he is an NFL quarterback. Um, I think, you know, if he ha- he's the type of quarterback that, like, has to have a- an incredible offense and so many options for him to um, be successful. And, you know, that kind of goes about him just being injury p- prone in general. So, um, yeah, Alabama-, Alabama people will hate me for this, but yeah. <laughs> just anti-alabama stadium like you've gone really far away from alabama like i 
Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not anti the stadium or or the players at all. I just you know I don't have the I don't think I have like the Bama bias. You know, like there's so many people that were diehard Alabama fans like growing up, but I was kind of like more NFL than you know until I went to Alabama. But no, I'm not anti Alabama. I don't know. I heard I regretted my experience in Tuscaloosa, and I, I just don't. Uh, <laughs> well, it's don't. dark. <laughs> I, but but to, to the point though, there is absolutely no reason on earth that why he should be projected that. Like, there's no reason. Like, Tua is still trying to figure out whether or not he's going to even be capable of being an NFL quarterback. I mean, this is I, a huge uh, year. Them not taking fields and them bet rolling the dice with Tua with the amount of talent they have around him right now. Like, there's no excuses. The amount of pressure on Miami to push the Bills this year is astronomical like i i mm. i think the the i think the dolphins in general are probably so mad that fields went to the bears because i think that's such a great fit for the bears and for fields and like had he gone somewhere and then not started or not been successful they're probably like whatever but if Tua starts out the year poorly and fields is doing well like that's that that's the type of move that gets people fired. Yeah, I mean, jobs are going to be lost if Tua sucks this year. Like that is that is a huge thing, and I'm I'm still pretty surprised that they saw enough last year because Fitzpatrick, like pulling Fitzpatrick the way they did, and just seeing what we saw from Tua down the stretch, the the conservative nature, and just what what would we make of his hip, and if he's going to be this downfield threat that uh, the Dolphins are pushing to be this offseason. I don't I don't know. Chan Gailey was the first one down. They changed their season. Now they have a tag team situation uh, with George Godsey, and um, I forgot the other guy who's also um, co-OC with them. Sutterfield, I think, something like that. Um, but, yeah, we, we shall see. We shall see. Caitlin, what can we check out from you uh, across the internet, podcast, uh, everything at Fox Sports? Uh, what would you like to plug as we wrap up here tonight? Um, yeah, probably just uh, my Twitter, uh, Caitlin um, underscore Heffler, and then also my TikTok at Caitlin Heffler. Mm. Okay, there you go. I am not a TikToker. I, I have no... No, I am not a TikToker. Um, yeah, not many people that are 28 years old going in 72 are. Uh, let me clarify. I am 30 now, Evan. I'm with <laughs> you in the 30-year-old club. Oh, man, sad I'm, life. I'm very much like almost 74. I forgot what I was doing over the weekend. My girlfriend was like, you're an old man. Like, you are an old-ass man. Like, all of my were you mm-hmm. Were you pruning, pruning some plants? Like, were you using pruning shears on something? Like, I feel like that's something you might do. Well, I do the whole slipper thing a lot. So I And I, like, I love a good walk. So I'll walk around the neighborhood with my hands behind my back, just walking. Uh, <laughs> I was going to guess that, jokingly. <laughs> oh, beautiful. It's... it's it's bad, uh, but look, I know I'm washed. It, I am who I am. I am who I am. Um, Dalton, what can uh, what can we check out from you at Pro Football News this week? Or Pro Football Network? Uh, excuse me. <laughs> no problem. Uh, so, man, this week, uh, great question. I have no clue what's coming out this <laughs> week. Um, with well, with it being the off season, there's a lot of evergreen stuff that I'm writing that's going to drop later. Um, oh, yeah, one thing you can look forward to, the best wide receiving cores in the NFL today, and then later in the week, the best all-time wide receiving cores. Ooh, We're doing can better you include the Atlanta Falcons had they not traded 
Julio Jones this offseason because it would have been Calvin Ridley, uh, Kyle Pitts, and... No, no Kyle Pitts. He's a tight end. No, he's a wide receiver. Uh-huh. He's not yeah. a tight end. Like, what, no, what he's, desi- he's designated as a tight end. That That's all that matters. is not a tight end. So is what? Travis Kelsey. He is he, not a he, well, he's actually, he's not technically a tight end or a wide receiver because he's quite literally the Falcons' only hope. So that's like its own position. Like it's kind of on its own. It's like their only fucking hope. It's gone well for Trey Young, sir. It's gone well for Trey. Outside of a a ref that should be investigated, that should be <laughs> just removed from the NBA going forward. It was a disgusting, despicable act from that official who was in the way of Trey Young's ankle as he was falling back on a shot. Like it just a. Uh, Really, really bad look from the league. The fix is in. Stop the count. All that jazz. Uh, Evan, what can we check out from you? Uh, yeah, by all means, you'll be able to find me in front of a fan because fuck this humidity. <laughs> um, other than that, always check out the 49ershub.com. Um, very talented writers over there that are not talking about just 49ers-specific things, but also the players, fantasy football, analysis, all the above. Um, and then me on Twitter, as we've also always so famously said, you can find me on my dumbass Twitter handle, uh, to Evan, to furious as it is the second, uh, Twitter account of mine. There you go. There you go. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for making the time. This was a lot of fun. Uh, Caitlin Heffler, uh, Dalton Miller, Evan Sowards, Sowards. I think it's, Sowards. Oh! I think it's Sowards. Evan Sowards. It's, it, Evan Swords. Evan Sowards. I, I got, always get it mixed up. It's only maybe on our 200th podcast with you and I. I'll really nail down that whole last name situation. I'll, I'll work on it. I'll work on it. Like Step Brothers. I'll, I'll is work it on Swords? It. it is Swords. It's, See? There no, you hold go. On. Relax. Hold on. Mm. It's Swords. Like mm. two swords. Plural. It's Swords. It's yeah. super easy. It's not Sowards. It's not Swords. <laughs> okay, because I just, thought it was I thought it was yeah, just swords for the longest no, just, time. But just then, swords. Can I also tell you, Dalton? He didn't tell me for like months that I was mispronouncing his name. Like, just did not. He let it go. He moved on. You and, know, mm. he's not that polite to me. Well, I mean, I I love you in a, an entirely different way, Dalton. <laughs> totally different relationship. There you go. All kinds of love on this podcast as we wrap up here tonight. Well, thank you so much, guys. I greatly appreciate it. We will have to check back in again on the NFL very soon. You guys stay safe out there, and uh, I'll talk to you all soon. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.